don't be afraid to suck <laughs> I, that that's something that i i've i've done before or i've had like okay well i know this joke works and i still i'm still at fault i still do it where i'm like well i know this works and like well I've, I've had a hard time with this four minutes and i want to get at least one laugh like no take the chance and try the new thing especially when it comes to open mics because that's what they're here for so don't worry about it going good or bad just know that it's going and it'll get there one way or the other so like that's my ultimate thing is try your best not to be afraid to suck you are now listening to Mike's side chat podcast here's your host hey guys uh this is Mike side chat uh i'm your host xavier g dunton and it's where i talk to my friends locally at the open mics and shows we do and uh i'm here with one of my good friends steven hinkle uh, hinkle you're not from columbus are you uh no i'm not i'm from uh about two hours away i live in a small little town on a lake called salina ohio salina ohio yeah that's, there's not a whole lot there um Although honestly, they are trying to rebuild it. It's it's weird. Uh, there's like one company has come in and like built like a bunch of houses. It looks like Key West. Okay. <laughs> Except for the water is green instead of blue. Ah. It's just like it's the weirdest, smelliest place you could ever imagine to be. But white people love getting drunk there. I I well, if you got to name a place after called Salina, then I would imagine that's the favorite activity. Oh yeah, they, we just got a. a do you know what Dora zones are? I don't. Uh, it's like a designated outdoor refreshment area. So the idea is that you could get a cup from a bar and that you could just take that cup, you know, have it full of like alcohol and take it out and walk around with it. But it has to be in that specified 12 ounce cup. Okay. And it like costs a little bit of extra money. So it provides revenue for the city. But essentially what has happened is people just have like golf carts and they're just getting fucked up and driving around. And it is great. <laughs> it's just it's like just drunk white people who are a shade of red that looks like it's warm to the touch because they've just been out on a boat all day. It's like it's it's glorious. It's fun to watch. I need to come visit. Sal- you said Salima? Salina. Salina with the N. Okay. Get on 33, head west. You'll get there. Okay. When it starts to smell like dead fish, you're like, I think I've hit the right spot. <laughs> dead fish, huh? Yeah, you see like Trump flags and smell dead fish, and you're like, okay, this is where we're at. Oh my goodness! Wow, that's uh, that sounds like I'll have to do a vacation there. Yeah, to... it's uh, it's a good spot. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's it's a nice place. <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, I do like, I do admire the dedication of the the Trump yard signs. Really? Be- well, because they're so faded. Okay. Like, they're so sun faded. They still say 2020. And the thing is, you know that guy. It's already snowed. He's had to mow. He's picked it up and put it back in. He's not looked at it one like, no, nah, it looks like shit. I should get a new one. Yeah. No, he said, fuck it. I'm keeping this one. I'm putting it in. He's dedicated to that sign. You don't see anyone else with any bumper stickers. No one dick rides politicians like they dick rode that dude. They uh they sound like they're very loyal and committed followers. It's it's a cult. It makes it's a little weird. It it really has me like disturbed living around it because yeah. you're like, are you? Yeah. You all say you're free thinkers, but you're all thinking the same thing and saying the same stuff. It's like a weird echo chamber to live in. Feels like the opposite of free thinking. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like the definition of group thinking, really. Yeah, it's nice to come to like a more urban like area where there's actually people and different like sets of thoughts, and you're yeah. like, okay, uh, not everyone's a monolith. This is like lovely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, here in Columbus, outside of Salina, we have uh, multiple shades of white. Yeah. Uh, we also have non-whites, and 
some of those non-white non-whites happen to be black like myself yeah uh, <laughs> you have more way more melanin than i do i'm hey, man, so deficient hey, i know some black people with uh less melanin than you <laughs> I, I feel so bad man because like they can't well if you have that less melanin, do you still would they still get just as red as I do in the sun? Yes, they do. Actually, oh. it's, it's really funny. Like, so like light skinned black people, and this has been a debate as old as uh, slavery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are that light, uh, you know they they usually put you in the you know the house. If you were darker, they usually had you in the fields, right? But um, that's where that whole rift kind of started. Oh, okay. You know, that's those are always call back to that. But uh, no, it's interesting that uh, lighter skinned black people typically look like other races. You know, if they're if they're like uh, <laughs> some of them look Hispanic. <laughs> um, oh, so you're like racially ambiguous. So yes, like they yeah, could yeah. travel wherever in the world and they're like, that guy probably deserves to be here. They're light enough where people don't know how to be racist towards them. There you go. You see? There you go. So it's a it's a very funny slash strange. Think of all like the black people on like Disney and like you know those those kids shows. They're like yeah. They're always like the the fun black character, but they're really not that black. You know. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? They're really not that black. Like like culturally or color wise. I think color wise and culturally, <laughs> they're always like a caricature. And then like I guess some of the the older ones like back in like the nineties and eighties. They were they were like a version of black, but then you had to question some of their choices in like the movies and TV shows. Like, all right, bro, I wouldn't have. I don't know if I would have would have done that. I wouldn't have done that. Like, uh, this is probably a terrible example, but I, I've watched it a bunch of times. Camp Rock, um, the black dude on there uh, that was like on the rival team. Who's like his song uh, that he did in one of the final episodes or one of the final few minutes when they were going to get to another camp or whatever. He was like, I can give you the fire. The song's dope. He himself, I don't think, is that black. And that's part of the reason that bothers me because of his character is making these odd choices like between like uh like Joe Jonas's character and some of the other people from Camp Rock. I think they're from another camp or whatever. But it's like the way they're arguing, it's not even natural. I'm like, he's saying stuff I don't think I've ever heard a black person say. <laughs> See, I mean, I okay, being so far away, like, you know, removed, I guess, because I, you know, I grew up in a predominantly white area only really around yeah. white people being so far away like there are little cultural things from the black community that like stuck out to me but that you didn't know that that was like another culture right because you're just a kid so like like when the kings of comedy tour came out oh yeah like i was all over that to this point where i was like i was almost like upset <laughs> when the blue collar comedy tour came out Oh, because really? it was shortly afterwards, and I was like, no, they're just jacking their style. That's what that looks like, yeah. You know, and I was like, and then, like, you know, I was always obsessed with, like, Bernie Mac and, like, hip-hop. And I, it was not, like, it's not a good look for, like, a, a, a white kid in the middle of cornfields to be like, I love Nelly enough that I'm going to wear this Marshall Falk jersey back. <laughs> I got picked on so fucking much. Mm. But now it's like, okay, well, did I even really understand? Did I understand what I was doing? Did I understand that culture at all? Or, like... What, like when you're so removed, you you don't really know. And now it's like, well, I think I have some idea of of what that was like because I grew up with these certain like people who were inspirations to me that weren't didn't look like me. Yeah, but they were just good at what they did. Right. And it was like, well, I don't I don't really quite understand it, which makes me feel a little weird in my community. I get what you're saying. Because um, like, to be honest, like I like you grow up in high school around people who are racist and if you're not when you're little and you're not exposed to it like the first time i think i was like nine or ten 
Yeah. And I was like, I don't understand, like, what, like, yeah. Like, I, like, cause the only other time you've heard any, like, racial slurs is in hip hop. Yeah, there's plenty in there. You um, haven't heard them actually being used as, like, like a derogatory term towards anyone. And, like, the first time you hear it, you're very taken aback and shocked. And it's like, and now I, like, I still am around those people just because my house costs less than a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Racism keeps fucking property values low. <laughs> Yes, it does. Well, it's interesting. Like, I've always I've learned uh, the more I got into comedy and understood it that a lot of people communicate uh, their cultural understanding when there isn't any uh, through comedy or okay. through watching other comedians or, or sitcoms, TV shows, movies, whatever. So anything they've seen but they haven't experienced themselves, that's all of the reference they have to go off of other cultures stuff like that. So. Like, I, like mine was like I like with my representation for like the black community was the Bernie Mac show, the Kings of Comedy, and Trick Daddy, and that's not necessarily like that's not at all. <laughs> You're like, that's and not, it doesn't prepare you for the real world at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. So when people like sound racist or maybe come across a little uh, aggressive when they're talking to someone for the first time from another race or culture, and that's all they're going off of, they don't technically know any better. But that's I, that's the part that I feel separates someone who's genuinely a racist and someone who do, is just genuinely ignorant. If you're ignorant and you don't know any better, when someone corrects you or tries to tell you that what you're doing is not okay or could be offensive and probably wrong, then that shifts your mind a little bit. Like, oh, well, I didn't, I never knew. I'm sorry. Like, can you tell me more about that? You're open to being educated and corrected because it's clearly not okay uh, to an average person and a sane person. Yeah. Now, if you're more leaning towards the racist part then you might be more defensive you might be like well this is just all i know and this is all i care about i don't care about all this i gotta hold on to my heritage America. Like, I, okay, have, I, have i told you like i have this little philosophy i have no idea if it's true or not okay uh but for some reason like whenever i see like 9-11 never forget like bumper stickers yeah for some reason in my head, I always feel like that same person got a little touchy when they brought up critical race theory <laughs> yeah you know, it's like, Probably. never forget 9-11, but what about slavery? Like, oh, come on, that was like 200 years ago. That's, like, a, ah! that's such a privileged, you know, perspective, you know? To be yeah. Like, like leave the past, leave the past. Like, really? Because the past has always influenced the future yeah. and the present. Well, I had to have a, what was it? I had a, a fucking discussion with, like, some family. I was just going to drop off, like, a, I think it was like a card. Uh-huh. And it was like. My grandma, my mom, my stepdad, and some aunts, and they watched way too much Fox News. And at the time, they were, like, moving statues or taking them down. They were the Confederate ones. Okay. And so, they're like, they wanted to talk to me about it because they're like, oh, we're going to get him here. And I'm like, okay. And I was ready, though. I was like, y'all want to have this motherfucking conversation? <laughs> and we went through this whole thing. I was like, they didn't put them up directly after the Civil War. They put them up during Reconstruction, hmm. and it was less of a, like, oh, these were people who were fallen, let's memorialize them, and more of a telling people who still lived in that area, like, this is how we still feel. Wow. You know, and it wasn't so much, it wasn't the, you know, how they view it. Hmm. And I was like, furthermore, I was like, you think about it, I was like, who shot first? South did. Yeah. I mean, they seceded. Yeah. Therefore, all war criminals. Yeah. If we would have just put them in prisons. Hey, man, these all sound like good ideas in hindsight, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I will say this. I guess, you know, them trying to set up stuff to remind themselves. That's like their 9-11 or whatever. Yeah. In the sense that they don't want to ever forget, like, you know. Yeah, like, they're like, I don't want to forget that one time I did a bunch of bad shit. You're like. Is that really, bro? 
Give me, you want to remember owning people? That's crazy. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it still blows my mind that like people get married at uh, plantation houses. That's so wild. Like someone's gonna have a wedding at a big white house, and like you see what's behind that house. Yeah. Like it's not a, like it, it's the same as saying like I'm gonna have my wedding at like you know a concentration camp. Like it's it's so like weird yeah. as a culture you're like no nah, it's a big pretty white house with a long driveway and a bunch of trees it's like but you don't know what that stands for <laughs> like you know like your wedding photos are always going to show that <laughs> yeah like you're never going to have any like any different friends your great great grandkids are going to be like what did granddaddy used to do or great great granddaddy and they'll be like well you see that was just a photo of uh, of our wedding but uh historically uh it was something else it, yeah it was it was way different don't don't, don't worry it don't about it don't look any different yeah don't yeah it doesn't look any different now uh i mean i guess that does make uh people getting married uh <laughs> nowadays at like chuck e cheese a little more normalized yeah i'm, I'm fine with that oh you're fine with that <laughs> yeah like does that the why why not man <laughs> i saw a whole advertisement on uh it was like a tiktok or like an instagram reel but uh they were advertising people coming to chuck e cheese they were like showed like the young uh the, the young chuck e mouse and then the grown-up one, and then they show, like, you as a kid with the young Chuck E. Cheese, and then the grown-up, like, hey, now it's time to, you know, really commit. And then they had, like, this pizza cake. So it was, like, a tower of, like, three different layers of – it was just three different pizzas, but it looked like a pizza tower. And uh, it looked awesome. And it was almost, it was almost like, uh, mesmerizing and convincing for me because I love pizza. But then I remember it was Chuck E. Cheese, and I was like, oh. That's just capitalizing on nostalgia right there. Yeah, that's not cool. They're just trying to – they're not trying to go out like Toys R Us did. <laughs> you know they're just like hey we got we got one last shot these guys are like all these people are in their 30s and 40s now maybe they'll come around see toys R Us should have become toys were us and then made it a nostalgic whole setup you know they just could have been arcades they literally we have barcades now with like old video games and stuff in it they literally could have capitalized off that you're right well have you been to the other world here in columbus i have it's amazing it i went there for a party one time it was like a halloween party that had like djs in there it was really fun okay the only thing is I, I was a little intoxicated and I started looking around a little bit more than normal at like <laughs> okay. other stuff. And like it, there gets a certain point where you just look around you're like, no, nah, this is still a sports authority. <laughs> I mean, you can dress it up oh, as much dude. as you want, but it was a sports authority. And I look up and I'm like, no, nah, this is, and I'm like, oh, this is what's going to happen to all the Kmarts. That's hilarious. Well, I mean, if they ever get uh, go out of business, other world's got more time to expand, you know? I mean, Meow Wolf's doing crazy things. Who? Meow Wolf, like that's what, what other is world that? is based off of. What is Meow? You say Meow Wolf? Meow Wolf. I am Meow Wolf. Perfectly stimulated right now. What is the, <laughs> what is that? Meow Wolf's a uh, like an art exhibition slash um, venue. Okay. I think I think it's in Colorado or New Mexico. It's out west. The first one was okay. Um, and it's like completely immersive. So kind of like other world is okay, but in a like in a more like it's a house and like you have to like if you climb through the the washing machine it's a slide that leads you down into the venue like wow. it's that like mind bending and so they, i guess they did another one i think it's called area 51 based off the area 51 uh in las vegas okay it's another like immersive like art exhibition so, like, Meow Wolf came out. They were doing their thing. They kind of blew up on social media. Uh -huh. And then we got an other world. Uh, I kind of wish we also had a Meow Wolf because uh, you, you sold me. Just 
hey man we'll get tickets we can go let's go bro you listen we're gonna go there we're gonna go to salina ohio <laughs> we're, we're gonna, gonna stop it. by salina ohio we're gonna get in some dirty water <laughs> we're gonna look at some weird fat people who are awkwardly <laughs> red we're gonna talk to some, some drunk white women ask them <laughs> questions they can't answer but they're gonna try oh my god dude uh, drunk white women just started party but like party or uh, I've started bartending, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of party buses because it's okay. a big area. Yeah, and they just get on old school buses and get shit faced. Okay, <laughs> and I just I saved this poor little white girl that yesterday she was just I seen her walk out behind my bar and just start just dry heaving a little bit. Yeah, and I'm like, oh poor sweetheart. And her friends came. And I was like, can I get you guys a glass of water? Like, <laughs> oh my god, yes, yeah, to be so like they're so sweet when they're fucked up. Yeah, but they're also like a, a flip of a switch, and it's just nights over interesting i still would love to get tickets to see that uh, oh yeah your, uh, yeah we're good okay cool, cool. um <clears throat> I, I always i always love talking with you steve um i feel like we could talk about random shit forever but i actually want to get into some of the comedy um uh, stuff that's been going on in your life because you uh how long ago did you start doing comedy uh it's been roughly about two years two years okay how's that been going because we were talking inside it sounds like you've been learning like some cool stuff like real life, like some epiphanies and all that um i mean it's it's been like a, a growth like one of the things like when i first met you that stood out that like actually like sparked my interest being like i think i might like this person was like i think me and lucas were talking about comedy and you you were like in the group and i was like well you know it's it's a long journey it's a marathon it's not a sprint you know most people don't really hit the ground running until like 10 15 years Mm-hmm. And you were like, yes. And like that spoke to you at some point. It was something along those lines. And I was like, you know, so I've always known that I have time. But, you know, it, like coming out and trying it the first year, I, I just wanted laughs. So I just started doing things that I thought worked to get them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as I've kind of gone and progressed a little bit, I, I feel like I'm kind of coming out of my own and okay. finding that like, Hey, who you were on stage before might not exactly be who you want to be. Okay. And now it's like, okay, what's the challenge and how do you perfect it? Whether it's technical skills or actually like, because I'll say for the first year, I didn't write a single word. Wow. I mean, everything was still in my head and I would just keep it there. And because I just, it didn't feel good to write physically. Okay. And so now I'm trying to one, just do that more and just journal enough to be like, this is a, a cathartic way to get ideas out and eventually like you can extrapolate humor from it dude you are learning right now a lesson that i unintentionally learned i started journaling just journaling like many many years ago had nothing to do with comedy i was just journaling writing my thoughts down and when i finally started writing my jokes down because i was the same way i was just going up on stage i knew how i told a joke so i wouldn't have to like write it out i would just remember how i told it if i need to make any changes it would be from mic to mic but then I had to run across a, a comic, uh, Mason Pryor, uh, one of Richard Pryor's sons, uh, the one who looks just like him. <laughs> like, he literally looks just like it's kind of scary. But uh, he uh, he was at the Scarlet and Gray where I had uh, started doing comedy like uh, over 10 years ago. And um, he basically told me, like, if you're not writing your stuff out or like looking at where things could be funny, you're missing out on opportunities to improve and to shorten and cut fat, stuff like that. So that's where I had that first real technical conversation about writing stuff down but i was already journaling so uh when i started to apply that i noticed that when i was writing my jokes out i could see the opportunities that he was talking about on paper 
and listening to it. I was like, oh, okay. So if you're used to writing, not just writing your jokes now, but if you're used to writing, it's easier to see your jokes on paper because of the written format. So I think becoming a good writer of your own thoughts on paper, just as like practice, daily practice, keeps you in the mood to write your jokes out the way you normally talk. Yeah. So I think that's something that you learn that's so amazing and will pay off dividends way before you realize. I'm hoping it does. And I mean, I remember there was a moment when it was Stephen Herchek. Yeah. It was yeah. one night at Shrunken. He was fairly drunk, but he said something that was honest. And even if even if he didn't know it was, I knew it was. Okay. And at the time, he's like, he's like you know, you can rant really well. And that's a gift. Because you only got two jokes. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, man. Like, I, I felt seen. And uh, he was like, it's fine. The crowd doesn't know. But we do. And I was like, okay. And that was enough to make me kind of want to go, well, I mean, yeah, ranting is a good skill to have. But you, if you want to do this in a, any serious fashion, you should probably figure out how to actually go about writing these things out and having transitions and being somewhat professional and building somewhat of a set list. It, mm -hmm. it was those harsh critiques that I think like really help. They like helped at least have helped me. And so now I'm like, I think from my art background, I try to apply like all of those, like same critique levels of, Hey, you do this, then you do this, then you do this, you know, no great painting just starts as like, I'm going to go straight to canvas. It's usually a sketch and then a drawing on canvas and then, you know, maybe a little light painting and then it's finally gone over. Yeah. And then even then you still might alter it or edit it. So it's the same here as I feel like, you know, there's, I'm trying to take some of that idea and build those steps and be like, you know, write all your thoughts. Yeah. And then make maybe you can find some jokes and then see how it works on stage and then build that person on stage and you'll eventually be comfortable. Yeah. No, that's uh those are all the mechanics, man. You, you put all the pieces of the creative process when it comes to comedy together and you have to put together a, a picture in your mind of this process that works best for you. And that's what you fine tune to get to where you're, you're talking about. You drive that. Oh, excuse me. God bless you. Oh, excuse me. God bless you. Uh, somebody must be nearby. That <laughs> Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you take all those pieces and you put together uh, a process that you drive to the end result. Uh, which is usually how you get to those those 10, 15 years in, which you don't need 10, 15 years to become funny. I think that only takes a few months, honestly, a few years. But it's the 10 to 15 years where you pay your dues. That's where you learn, like, the hosting, the featuring, the the headlining, how to handle with different crowds, hecklers, you know, maybe doing some on-the-spot writing, maybe writing out an entire joke, maybe writing for another comic. Like, you just, how to do business, you know, how do, yeah. how do other people do business, how not to do business. That's so important. Because yeah. bad business is always bad business, even if it's in like a pretty package. And um, yeah, that's what the, that's what all those years are for. But if you said Stephen Herchek told you that, that wasn't intentional. <laughs> he was yeah. just, he, he was just being aggressive. He was he was lit off of a good amount of whiskey. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it, I, I think he was just being honest. He didn't realize it was wisdom. He was just trying to yeah make you quit comedy. We've had this conversation, me and him. Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, intentionally uh, intentionally tough love with a lot of comics, just like me. But I don't think he realizes that what he's saying is helpful. He just thinks it's funny and might be very overly forward. But that's the irony of good advice, right? People yeah. telling you exactly how they feel, and it's exactly what you need to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people, like, 
want like don't be an out and out dick i mean that's just not a polite thing to do but if you see how like hey i think these words can help someone fashion a critique and don't be afraid to be mm. critiqued right like most all of the art classes i ever took was you did whatever your project was and then you pinned it on a wall and the whole class told you what they thought of it which and was, which was always nice you know yeah that's the that was something that like you're gonna tell me i suck that's fine i can accept that you know and i i know when i go up and come off if it didn't go well i'm aware yeah and i know when it does go well i'm also aware so it's like yeah. if if you think i sucked on a night that i know i did good well hey by my metric from what i can see that was progress and whatever that means to you doesn't mean anything to me I, like as far as i'm concerned when it comes to comedy like listen to what people have to say take it with a grain of salt but like have your blinders on like yeah. maintain your own lane understand you're doing your own thing and if you're enjoying it that's all that matters and, uh, that's spot on dude because like i think all feedback is uh acceptable doesn't mean you should take it all but let let people be honest with you about what they saw you do from an audience perspective and even as another comic if they say something to you don't completely dismiss it take it for what it could be or what you think it is and use it to your advantage I've always told of the comics, like, people don't have to say anything to you when you get off stage. So the fact that they say anything at all is worth listening to for what it's worth. Uh, if you feel like it's not worth anything, then just take it as the fact that someone paid attention to your set and wanted to offer help and then move on. If the advice itself was not sound. Now, if there is something to their advice, take it with a grain of salt, like you said, because maybe they don't know your particular sense of humor. Now, yeah. if they do know your sense of humor, then it does have huge merit and it's worth considering uh but you ultimately have to have the last say in how you do things, you know, because uh, like you said, who you were is not who you're going to be as you keep evolving in the process. Um, you've already kind of said it, but I'll be more uh, deliberate about asking before, as we wrap up. Um, what's like a piece of advice you would give uh, a comic who's trying to improve like just one percent at the craft? Uh, don't. Don't be afraid to suck. <laughs> I, that that's something that I I've I've done before where I've had like okay well I know this joke works and I still I'm still at fault I still do it where I'm like well I know this works and like well I've had a hard time with this four minutes and I want to get at least one laugh like no take the chance and try the new thing especially when it comes to open mics because that's what they're here for so don't worry about it going good or bad just know that it's going and it'll get there one way or the other. So, like, that's my ultimate thing is try your best not to be afraid to suck. Amen, brother. Right, because you're going to suck a lot up front. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to yeah. happen. And then yeah. you'll get your laugh, and it'll feel great. Yeah. And then that will motivate you to just keep going and going and going and going. And it, it, once you figure out, okay, I did it once, yeah. you're like, I know I can do it again. Yeah. It's, that's all the fuel you'll need. So just don't be afraid to suck and and enjoy it. Uh, pause. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, you got me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, no. You, the goal is to suck uh, less and less. Um, yeah. In comedy. Sorry, <clears throat> that might sound like something else. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, um, uh, last thing before we uh, wrap up, do you have any shows or anything coming up? Uh, yeah. Uh, as of right now, I have a uh, a show in Toledo. Uh, it's called a Giggle Fest show. Uh, I have the flyer. It's on my uh, Facebook. I'm going to post it up on my Instagram. And we're working right now uh, with a couple other local Columbus comics uh, on getting a show potentially at uh, Club 20. Uh, oh. It's going to be a, uh, a drunken spelling bee, okay. which as the dyslexic comic in the community, I am fucking terrible.
terrifying. <laughs> I, I hope they only give me like one syllabic words. Like I, I don't want nothing with more than three letters. So, but that'll be June 10th. That's what we're going for. Okay. Um, and I'll have flyers post up for that here with probably within the week or two. Cool. Uh, so I don't know when this is coming out or whenever people like listen to it, but if they do, that'll be June 10th for the drunk spelling bee here in Columbus and then Toledo, the giggle fest. And you can just find me on my socials at that kid named Steve on Instagram. <laughs> that kid named Steve. I like that. It's not, I mean, I like it. Like I liked it when I had it, but now it hurts because like I feel trapped. I'm a grown man and I'd still that kid named Steve. Hey man, it's that's, that's very simple. I'll tell you this. Um, it's almost like an email address. Like you just want to keep it simple. Cause if you pick this complicated, cool looking stuff when you're a child or when you're younger, it just doesn't age. This is true. Probably like I remember my, and I'm about to sound so horrible saying this, but I remember my very first um, email I ever made. I think it was for, uh, what was it? AOL or uh, Hotmail or whatever. Or MSN. I think it was, it was one of them, bro. I think it was Hotmail. And uh, my, my name for it. It's so stupid. My name was Mega Man Mega Gear Hookup uh, 68. Oh, someone took the nine. <laughs> right. You shut up, you're like, fuck, man, they took the nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was like <sighs> at Hotmail, right? Yeah, yeah. You so never like, like, when I started interviewing for jobs and stuff, that was the only email I had. Oh, shit. And like towards the end, they'd be like, so uh, where can we send, uh, where can we email you at? I was like, uh, <clears throat> you want to uh, <laughs> send it to uh, Mega Mega man, mega. I'm talking. You speak up. It's a mega, mega um, man, mega gear. Just give me a second. I'm gonna. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna set up, a I'm about to real set up quick. something uh, like uh, with my first initial last name at Gmail, which is what I use now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I learned that lesson in the most awkward way, you know. But uh, yeah, I want want to keep you all day, man. We gotta start this mic. Yeah, here. we gotta get going. Um, this has been my side chat. My good uh, that man, that guy named Steve. That, that kid named Steve. That kid named Steve. My friend Stephen Hinkle. Thank you so much for being on the episode, sir. And uh, I'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please leave a review. Let me know what you think. Subscribe for updates, and I'll see you guys next time.